Hey there. Hi. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter, everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm Daniel. And I'm Holly. And we're recording on Easter Sunday. And you're listening to Halfway Saints. Yep. That you got you got the important things out. It's Easter Sunday. Uh-huh. It's Halfway Saints. We're and, recording. And we're here. We're here. It's us. It's us. We I'm, hope everyone had um, a joyful Easter Sunday. We mm-hmm. had a very busy one. Mm-hmm. And we had a feast. We did have a feast. We were full of food oh and desserts. Gosh. Guys, tip of the week. Celebrate Easter with an Italian family. <laughs> yes. There's lots of food and wine. Mm. It's really great. So find an Italian family. Hopefully one you know. But honestly, <laughs> if, you, if you barged in, they would just seat you they and would, feed you probably. And they would have enough food for you. They would. So, but tip yeah. of the week. But um, now but, we're, we're sitting with our spearmint teas. Mm. A little bit of honey and a little bit of... No honey. A little bit of sugar and a little bit of milk. Mm-hmm. Everything's we're, better with a little like, bit of sugar and a little bit of milk. <laughs> we're like one step away from hot milk before dinner. <laughs> <laughs> before bed. Not dinner. <laughs> Guys, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. We're, we're day. ready to go. We're ready to podcast. But shout out to the Lanchonis for yes. letting us have Easter uh, dinner with them and opening their home to us. Yeah. They do not listen to this podcast. No, but we can still show our appreciation for them. Yes, and the only way we know how. The only way possible. <laughs> Um, but no, I hope that everyone had a wonderful Easter Sunday. We had a great one. We did. We are very thankful and we are just really excited that the Lord is risen and he is alive and the tomb is empty and victory is won and there's just a lot of grace to be had and it's It's amazing. It's really great. Lent does a really good job of making you excited for Easter. It's probably why they do it. Yeah. Those wise old kids. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really silly because it's it's Easter Sunday and it's just so great. I know. And I'm so excited to talk about what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. So this Easter was a little different. Um, oh, it was yeah. the first Easter since we've been married that we didn't go to the Easter vigil. We it's went... my first Catholic Easter that I have not gone to the Easter vigil. Right. We with the little one, it's much harder to go to mass at eight that lasts three hours yeah three hour mass with the nine and a half month old is mm, not very wise and he we already tired him out with church this week between holy thursday mass and good friday and then we went to confession yesterday on saturday Mm -hmm. and he was just like enough guys i mean seriously it was like every time we walked into the pew with him he would start crying and was like, no, I do not want to be here. So we spent most of our... He was fine if he could crawl around. Right, that's the thing. Like after two hours of him crawling around on like the dirty vestibule floor with I little know. like blackened orphan feet. Because he doesn't, he doesn't like to wear socks. He doesn't leave socks on and he'll just pull them right off. And he thinks it's so funny. And he's so proud of himself. He's so proud of it. When he pulls it off, but... It makes all of the older women at mass. They come up to us and they're like, "Where are your baby socks?" I know, it's all so the grandmas. Cold. Their grandma's intuition like tingles. I and know. Like, someone doesn't isn't wearing socks or a sweater. And it's we're tough. like, "I'm sorry. We try. We tr- we start mass with socks, and then by the end of it, it just doesn't happen." So mm-hmm. then we're in the back, in the narthex, and he's crawling around, and it's dirty back there, and he has black feet. That's just how it happens. It's just the way that it is. It so we opted for the Sunday morning mass. <laughs> we did, which was wonderful and really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this was the first time we didn't go to the Easter Vigil. And if you've never been to the Easter Vigil, it's not 
um, you know, your normal anticipatory mass, like, you know, the Saturday vigil mass for Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of its own, its own animal. It's what they, like, they call it, like, the crowning jewel, right? Right. Or, it's I mean, the, it's like the it's best. The mother of all liturgy. It's kind of the, uh, I don't want to say fullest expression of it because every mass is full, but, it's the full. but it, yeah, it's the big it's one. It's great, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like a super mass. Super mass. Um, it's great because it goes through the entire salvation history. Mm -hmm. The readings for the um, vigil mass, it goes from Genesis, from creation, through Abraham, through Exodus, like, Exodus, like all the way through to where, to the, and yeah. like just this little thing that like, oh, and then Jesus was here. Right. You know? And it really builds you, brings you through the Old Testament, um, mm -hmm. showing how the New, New Testament, how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And it shows you all, like, the covenant realities in the mm -hmm. Old Testament right. and how those covenants uh, that God made with his people and how those uh, relate to Jesus in the New Covenant, which is his His death and resurrection. Right. So if you've never been to the Vigil Mass, next year, do yourself a favor. Um, go to the Vigil Mass. It's really beautiful. It's also, um, if a parish is doing RCIA or bringing people into the church, they're usually baptized at the mm -hmm. Easter Vigil. Um, which and is confirmations also, are done then too. And, yeah, some parishes do confirmations then. Um, I like, was received into the church at the Easter Vigil. Mm -hmm. So you had your four first, years ago, right? Four. So today's my four-year anniversary of being a Catholic. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, but really, go if you're able to next year. Go to the Easter Vigil. It's really um, just adds a different dimension to the whole Easter season. Mm -hmm. um, and something else special about the Easter Vigil is that it features the recitation of the exultet, mm -hmm. which well, is what? The Easter Vigil also, one of the beautiful things is that many times it started outside. Which, yeah, it's supposed to be mm -hmm. outside the church. Um, in the dark. And, and it has, should take place after dark. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they have, a, most of the time they have a big uh, bonfire or fire mm -hmm. pit and they light the Paschal candle, candle for the year. Right. Like that you get like a new candle. Um, and it's like signifies uh, Christ's light to the world, and mm -hmm. uh, then that proceeds through the church to like begin mass, and then the lights turn on, and it's like this beautiful uh, expression of Christ like coming into mm -hmm. the world because you're you start in darkness, and then you end with light. That's true. And it's beautiful, and so with that, right after the the Paschal candles lit, um, the the exultet is recited, and it's the what that is is basically the Easter proclamation, um, and it's pretty long, so we're not going to read through it. But if you've never heard it, um, or never if you even if you've heard it but never like fully listened to the words that are said, or um, have ever read it, then I encourage you. We encourage you to pause this podcast, open it up. USCCB has it, and just read through it really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that you'll hopefully be able to understand what we're talking about more and just mm -hmm. um, be able to spend some time with it. Because I think what I love about the Exultet is it, for me at least, it inspires more reflection and contemplation than some of the other like prayers and antiphons. Mm -hmm. And just in general, if you don't, if you're not paying attention to like the introductory prayer and the antiphons before Mass and before Communion, you should probably start paying attention um, to they those. They all point least, to the same. Like it's really... The church chose those certain things right. to point you towards what they're, 
what she is trying to express to you in that mass and in that liturgy. Mm-hmm. So it is really great to listen. Because sometimes I'll like the one thing I'll take away from mass is like, oh, during the closing prayer, did you hear this? That was really beautiful and that really spoke to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't ignore the antiphons and the you know the prayer, the introductory prayers and closing prayers. Um, those are part of the liturgy as well. So um, keep an ear out for them next time. Um, but the exultet for me. Um, inspires more reflection and contemplation in general than than I've experienced with other kind of uh, you know prayers or antiphons those kinds of things um, and I'm much for me at least it's there's certain lines that stick out to me and that I kind of have to turn over in my head a couple of times yeah it's um, a rich it is very rich is it considered a prayer it's a prayer it's a prayer yeah, yeah it's a I don't rich know prayer. what Quality, I mean, what category it would be in. It's I a mean, proclamation. Proclamation. So, like, I guess Palm Sunday has a similar, when you proclaim the gospel before this. Oh, the right. Palms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it we'll is. It's called it, a prayer. Yeah. It is rich in um, things that the Lord has to reveal to us. And uh, whenever you meditate on it, um, you can see a lot of Him and the way that He has revealed Himself to us through Christ and in the Easter. Uh, Season, season, the Easter, in, uh, in the mystery of the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. There we yeah, go. Thank you. Sorry, I just get caught with words. Sometimes. I know they're not. I'm just sometimes they're not your friends. No, words are not <laughs> my friends sometimes. But sometimes my brain just goes dead. But um, so one line that I that when I think of the exalted, I think of this line, and um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this. Um, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, O oh, happy fault that earns so great, so glorious a redeemer. Um, so I think this phrase has been used a lot. Um, Audrey Assad has kind of a whole album dedicated to it mm-hmm. uh, called Fortunate Fall. Every time I hear, O oh, happy fault that earns so great, so glorious a redeemer, I can't, I can't help but hear that song. Yeah, it's Fortune. a good song. And we looked it up. It's called Fortunate Fall by Audrey Assad. Recommend it. Go mm-hmm. look it up. Go listen to it. It's great. Um... But this one, Holly, the f- I think it was the first vigil mass you went to. This line, you were like, "Oh, happy fault." You're like, "I don't, I don't like that." It's like, "What do you mean?" You're like, "I just, how is it good? How's it happy?" I mean, and it's a mystery. It is a mystery. But then the next year at Easter, you were like tweeting it, and I was like, "What do you? Wasn't this the one you were like, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense." But apparently, you know, she came you, to grips with it at some point. You live, you learn. <laughs> God reveals things to you, uh, but um, yeah. Oh, happy fall! Do you know the difference between O and O H? No, you use o that's the thing. Just... I thought it was just like people chose to write O or O H. No, you can't just leave the H off. I mean, why not? Well, what's the difference? O is when you're referring to something. So, like, oh, happy fall, or oh, um, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like referring to something. Whereas O is an exclamation, like. Oh, I forgot my pants. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't know why that was the example. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes you forget your pants. <laughs> forget to pack them in the suitcase. Walk out the door, no pants. No, <laughs> no, <you're not. laughs> no. But um, oh, I could say, "Oh, my pants. Where you are? Where are you?" That would be regular O. But if I just said, oh, oh, my oh. pants, where are they? They would be OH. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, that's a good. Well, yeah. now you know, and now you will never forget the difference. It's true. Hopefully. It's, it's such a oh s- pants oh. versus oh oh my oh, pants. I forgot my pants. pants. Oh, oh man. Anyway, um, um that's but, interesting. Go on. Sorry. Said, thank you. Thank you for validating my pants story. You're welcome. Um, but. Part of what I think is tricky with this is just the words used. Like in Latin, it's um, "o felix culpa," and the word "felix" is translated as "happy," which is accurate, but it can also mean um, "fortunate." So, like Audrey Assad's album is called "Fortunate Fall," so mm-hmm. "happy fall," "fortunate fall" is a different way of looking at it. Um, and while "happy" isn't a wrong translation i think in english happy has kind of lost some of its meaning and just been kind of like smiley happy oh it's great whereas it kind of originally meant um like fortunate like like a happy accident like mm-hmm. oh it's a fortunate accident that we both happen to be in the same place but i like the thing that i, I i'm sure that you're going to help me wrap my head around this in a couple minutes but um I just want to explain the way that I am confused by, or what trips me up about it, is that, like, oh, happy fault that earns so great, so glorious a redeemer. Um, Talking about original sin. And, like, so does that mean that original sin was, like, a good thing to come into the world? I guess in light of Christ, it seems like it is. But it just, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around about, like, looking at sin and looking at the brokenness and looking at um, this terrible state that we were in before Christ uh, as happy. So Right, but I don't, again, or like, fortunate. Like happen- yeah. Fortunate. But it's focusing on the fault, like, oh, fortunate fault that earned to us so great, so glorious a redeemer. It's kind of looking at it from the other way, like looking at it from the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of our perspective, or should be our perspective on all things. We should be um, people of the resurrection and live in hope inspired by the resurrection. And when you look at it that way, um, it's kind of showing you, I guess for me, it allows us a new way to understand God's love. Like it's fortunate in the sense that, um, like look at this thing that, allowed us to experience God's love in such an intimate, personal way. Like, it's, it, it highlights the ability of God to make things, to make all things good and to make all things new. Like, we screwed up bad, so bad, but we still got this glorious Redeemer from it. So it doesn't matter how much we screw up, God can still make this a fortunate situation. And I think it's like, okay, when we look at the Redeemer, when we, looked at, when we look at Christ... And the, like, beautiful victory that he just won through the resurrection and, like, the uh, glorious and triumphant and the heavens rejoicing and just, like, the utter joy that surrounds the resurrection and this victory over sin and death. Um, It's so, so, so beautiful. And so if we didn't have something terrible we didn't have the darkness before we would not see such a great light maybe yeah i think that's part of it and i think it's you can kind of read it in several several ways but i think it's again like looking at it with the resurrection view right that from the other side that Mm -hmm. this is um 
that God was able to pull us through this. Like, how great is that? That doesn't sound as poetic. We're just like, how about that? Well, well, hey. How about that fall? But it's okay. Jesus fixed it. No, it's... No, I mean, that does make a little bit more sense. That, it, Yeah. But I do agree it's it's tricky. It's just It's just hard to look at it in a good way because it was so dark. Right. But we see now such a great light. Mm-hmm. Well, if you thought that's tricky, you should check out the line right before it, which is... O truly necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ. And I did this kind of backwards. I was wondering. I didn't want to interrupt you. Well, because it's kind of like, for me, I was like, oh, I get Oh Happy Fall. And then I like looked up and I was like, what? Yeah. So, again, this is um, not a question or a problem of translation, because necessary is kind of the right word to use. But I think in English... We think of necessary as meaning sort of like inevitable or it had to happen. Mm-hmm. But it can also mean requisite. Like um, it is necessary for you to pass your driving test so that you can get your license. Like it's necessary in that sense. Or this, it's the cause for an effect. You can't have the effect without the cause. Yeah. Okay. So it would be like, oh, requisite sin of Adam destroyed completely by the death of Christ. But this one, I do admit, is kind of, like, trickier to, to wrap your head around and to kind of get behind. I think just because I've had, like, such a – a lot of my community in college uh, were really wrapped up in, um, like, predestination and Calvinism. And so I've always kind of had that in my head of, like, uh, my beliefs versus that because I, I do not believe in predestination in the way that they do. Um, and so looking at this, like, oh, truly necessary sin of Adam is really hard for me to say, like, well, well that's too close to, mm-hmm. like, the predestination that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. So, like, how is that? Well, I think, again, if you look at the the second part of it, destroyed completely by the death of Christ, like, looking at it backwards from the resurrection, like, it was, that sin was requisite for this glorious event where Jesus Christ walked among us, died, rose from the dead, and is now here talking to us in his, you know, resurrected body, bearing the wounds of his crucifixion. So it's kind of that this wonderful, like, indescribable joy would not have happened had Adam not sinned. But Mm -hmm. on that point, I forget, I think it's St. Thomas Aquinas, like, reasons out would the incarnation have happened if Adam had not sinned, if man had not fallen? I forget his conclusion. I think he says, yes, it would have happened for this reason. But I think, um, I think still, like, there's something to appreciating how things were worked out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, looking at looking at the way in which our salvation was worked out by God and by Christ. Like, again, we did this horrible thing. We had no reason for it to be fixed, and then it is fixed. And it would not have been fixed in this way were it not um, for the sin of Adam. And I think, like, a way that I have always come, like, the conclusion that I've always made when thinking of predestination and in... uh, God's plan and and whatnot is that like God is active in our life that is 
without a doubt to me is that Christ works in our lives. He answers prayers. He like reveals things to us and he um, is working with us and respects us enough to work with us. And so it's kind of like a truly necessary sin of Adam that happened. um, But then Christ came actively like, okay, I love you enough to come down and be with you. So you don't have to deal with this death anymore. Um, And that, that was an action taken by Christ mm-hmm. in result of the necessary sin. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. It's kind of like yeah. saying about the cause and effect. Like, right. here's the cause to this effect, which we can mm-hmm. agree is is good. I think it's also, to put it in like very simplistic terms, it's kind of like the ultimate looking on the bright side kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, remember when we almost ruined humanity? Like, oh, we have a great savior now. It's <laughs> That sin was completely destroyed by Christ. Because it's almost, I think of it as being, um, them being reciprocal actions, like, oh, Adam sinned and then Christ saved us. But what Christ does is so much more than what Adam does. Like, it's not an equal and opposite action. It's, like, way more. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what I was saying with the whole Easter vigil is, like, Christ fulfills all of human history. You know, it's not just like, oh, this one thing I'm going to fix, I'm going to write. It is more like I'm starting a new relationship with you. I'm starting mm-hmm. a new covenant with you that is the fulfillment in the uh, what has been for, for mentioned or for, uh, foretold. Foretold, thank you, in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. all of those covenants covenants it's like everything in the old testament pointed to this and so christ is not just doing this like speaking to this one speaking to all of it as well right which is huge and awesome Mm -hmm. it is huge and awesome i think that's how the gospels end doesn't it huge and and awesome (laughs) the end saint john says (laughs) he doesn't um but yeah and i think also it kind of inspires sort of a sense of like appreciation or even thinking of these things um you know like the average person may not be like oh well was this sin um inevitable and i don't think it is i think i think god knew humanity and knew that this is sort of a possibility and we always have free will right Um, so kind of like i think this was built in like knowing how humans were God was able to anticipate how we would react to certain situations and not, you know, let Adam sinning ruin everything. You know, like he has a backup plan. Does that make sense? You're not, yeah, you're it's just convinced. like a little, it's like a little iffy. I don't really love what you're saying. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. So we went from a little iffy to terrible. <laughs> no, I just, no, I was saying that like God created us and our relationship to us in such a way that we cannot humans cannot sever the bond between god and man that is we can't do it from our ends that's exactly what i said i don't know why no oh gosh um no but that makes a lot more sense and that like that he knows us so well that he also knows the way to get us back Mm -hmm. there you go there you go um yeah but what i so for me, the Exaltet is a good example of the kind of um, 
it's kind of an un not I guess not unwritten but there's like a saying in theology um, that's lex orandi lex credendi if I'm not pronouncing that someone please correct me mm-hmm. um, but it basically means the law of prayer is the law of belief um, so like what we pray is what we believe and these ancient prayers that are because um, sort of all theology started in prayer and like seeking to know God and reading the scripture and that kind of thing. So this and tra- prayer is how God reveals himself to right. us. It's a so, conversation. With right. Him. And so this history of prayer doesn't need to be discounted. It's actually very valuable. So these ancient prayers through looking into them, we can learn more about what we believe or what we should believe. And I think this is a good example of that. Like, Oh, do we really consider the fall to be happy or fortunate? And when you unpack that, you can kind of say, yes, because a, because we're supposed to be, Easter people we're supposed to be people of the resurrection so yes we should see that as fortunate because it brought us to this moment and it also like yes that sin was required for God to return you know like undo it ten times over mm-hmm. and so it's just a, um, an optimism and a hope that points us to or reminds us that we need to be live in light of the resurrection so that's what I really like about it and again I'm not uh, a theologian or an no expert training. in liturgy. I'm sure someone might have a much better explanation for these lines, but this we, is just what... How we responded to it. How we responded to it, yeah. Um, and you made a good point earlier. You were talking to me about prayer. Wow, you should have... Oh, stop. should have made a note. No, we, like before the podcast. <laughs> oh, it doesn't count. But Only I'm bringing, you heard it. Well, hey, I'm bringing it okay. back up so okay. you can... Um, that you were talking about prayer and how, uh, like, in an example of how prayer has, like, informed our beliefs, you were talking about how we, in the early church, they called Mary Theotoko. The- Theotokos. Theotokos, God-bearer. Mm-hmm. And how um, that language of calling her the God-bearer continued. It, it informed the it theology. Say, so, yes. like, if when the question arose, like, is Mary the mother of God? They were like, yes, we've been calling her the God bearer for, you know, a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how that's applied as well. Yeah. I liked yeah. that. So oh, I'm just bringing thank it, you. Bringing it wasn't it really back. my point. I learned it somewhere else. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't hanging out with a bunch of 1900 year old Greeks. Um, so there's a lot more to the exultat too besides just those uh, four lines there. Um, and so we're kind of going to go back up um, a little bit to some ones that were inspiring me a lot. Uh, the way that we, like, set up our podcast is just, like, let's talk about this, and we each kind of, like, pick and choose mm-hmm. stuff. And Daniel ch- chose only four lines, and I chose a lot. <laughs> so mine was much more focused, and Holly's just much more sporadic to summarize what she was saying. Um, that's, that's how we are. That's an explanation of our marriage. <laughs> Um, but I really love the third stanza. It's, uh, it says rejoice. Let mother church also rejoice arrayed with the lightning of his glory. Let this holy building shake with joy filled with the mighty voices of the peoples. And a lot this Easter we've said it or Lent really. And then with these, uh, past four days of, uh, Holy week and whatnot, um, I've been really touched by John Paul II's words that we are the Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Um, it's just, it's just like, it's so eloquent and so wonderful. And it just, 
needs to be who we are. Daniel's mentioned it a couple of times that we are the Easter people. We need to be people of the resurrection all the time. And Alleluia is our song. Like we should constantly be singing his praises. And I love the image of uh, the last two lines here. Let this holy building shake with joy, filled with the mighty voices of the peoples. I mean, what a huge, awesome. Oh my gosh. It's huge. It's big and awesome and huge and great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have no uh, other words Holly's going to get a thesaurus for her <laughs> but like if you picture a church just like so alive and so uh, filled with like voices singing out and just praise for the one who, who won and the one who is victorious that it's shaking it's just amazing yeah, and I like that they say, let this holy building shake. Because you can, like, I feel like if you're listening to it and you said, like, let the whole church rejoice, you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, the church, sure. the whole mystical body of Christ, we're rejoicing. But they're like, no, this building, look mm-hmm. around you, these four walls, these pillars, these pews, let them shake with joy, filled with your voices giving praise to God. It's awesome and huge. It's awesome and <laughs> huge and great. But it's also sort of a challenge, I think. It is. That the church is, is saying, like, hey, guys, this is Easter. This is it. This is the moment or one of the moments that changed history in your lives. Like, every single second of your life is affected by this moment. Mm-hmm. And this is, we are an Easter people. Like, this mm-hmm. is the basis of our life. This is what gives us life and what gives us freedom. And for that, we should just be shouting from the rooftops how great it is. And I loved, I don't know what, how exactly the word arrayed means, but I loved the lightning of his glory. Like lightning that's so powerful and uh, big. Think about it. <laughs> Not huge. Immense. Immense and tremendous. Whoa. Whoa, big word. Um, it's just such a great, uh, shut up, I can't think of better <laughs> words, okay? But, um. You lose my train of thought. It's okay. I'll fill in. It's just so great and big (laughs) and awesome. Um, It's a great image of Christ's glory. Mm -hmm. That, like, lightning striking. Right. um, Which I think was awesome. And if we truly are Easter people, then we should, like, this should be the way that we are. Just shouting from the rooftops. Right. Like, why any minute of any day, like, oh, is was Christ not resurrected? Right. Did he not rise again? Is he still not alive? Like, I need to, I'm not asking you, I should ask myself that. Right. I was very inquisitory and <laughs> focused on you, but like, when you're having a bad day, you're grumpy, you don't want to talk to anyone, like, just ask yourself, like, is Jesus not risen? Is he not Lord? Mm-hmm. Like, and that should get you out of your grumpy mood. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just love the imagery of uh, Christ the King, like King mm-hmm. Jesus. He is the king of all. He is king of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's just such a great, it's been something that's been revealed to me over the past like year and just how beautiful of an image that is of like Christ as king of my life and of everybody's life and of the church and of his creation. It's just a beautiful way to look to him as supreme mm-hmm. and while also knowing him intimately is beautiful. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a very powerful thing when you really think of it like the king of the universe wants, like, is reaching out to me and wants me to draw near. Kind of it's, it's huge. Blows your mind. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then the next one that was speaking to me is, uh, this is the night that with a pillar of fire banished the darkness of sin. Um, and there's a lot of like, this is the night, this is the night, this is the night. But uh, I just like this because it is talking about the Paschal candle and uh, just this little fire, like this little thing of fire at the top of the candle um, can banish the darkness of sin. And that Christ's light, like he only needs a little bit and he completely banishes sin because mm. he's so powerful and so great and his light uh, just like breaks through the darkness. Right. And it's, I think the they keep the Paschal candle by the baptismal font and that's mm-hmm. where they light all the baptismal candles. Yeah. So this is a light that you know sustains the light of faith the whole year. Mm-hmm. And that's really beautiful that like it you know may not look like much, might be a tiny little flame on top of that big candle, but like it can ignite whatever it comes and then that can go out and light more fires. And during the vigil, um, the Easter vigil, they carry the Paschal candle and um, the congregation, the pews will light their candles from right the paschal candle and it's the church is in darkness so from this one candle you have the light spreading out throughout the church and the church becomes illuminated by each person's candle which is a really just great sign of like what your faith can do and how you spread it and how something can seem dark and um like there's the unknown and uncertainty but you you have that candle and it can spread Right. You don't want to hold it to yourself, you know. The more you spread it, the more light there is. Yeah, like that's, uh, I think we said it in a couple of podcasts ago or something that, uh, like, love is the only, like, thing that you can give away and not, it does not diminish. Diminish. Mm-hmm. But fire is the same. That's true, right? Like, correct. Well, I think that it's. No, it's not like matter. It's a react, it's a chemical reaction. I don't need to get all scientific here or anything. No, but it does not diminish the original flame. Right, like your candle burns just as brightly after you give it, like if you light someone mm-hmm. else's candle as before. Right. Um, and that is a beautiful thing that like you, that his light is represented in that way. Yeah, and a lot of times I'm prone to saying like, oh, that's kind of a cute metaphor, like, oh, the light of faith. But then when you like really dig into it, like, no, light behaves in this way fire behaves in this way mm-hmm. and like and that works like yeah that really descri- does describe faith and then i kind of have like a dumb moment where like oh well yeah god created the universe say, like, well who created Why, it like yeah of course there's gonna be parallels mm-hmm. but that's the thing like the more you dig into anything the more you find god yeah it's just the coolest because yeah. he made it isn't there's like a gerard manley hopkins poem where he talks about all of the world being like charged with the spark of God. I know I'm mm. butchering that, but it's basically like everything, the kind of current running through everything is God. And it's true. And it's true. Because his truth is everywhere. Um, scrolling through. Uh, then the next one is, Oh, truly blessed night, when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. So when things of heaven are wed to those of earth, and things divine are wed to the human. Um, Daniel and I went to a confession on Saturday, and while I was doing my examination of conscience, like going through the past couple weeks of uh, my life and things, God like really, really obviously told me like, you need to treat me like a spouse. You've been treating me like 
really distantly um, and keeping me at bay where I need to be intimate with you and I need to be close with you and one with you in the way that I put myself to you that I like I covenanted myself to you in this and you need to let me in pretty much and it just was like it was really hard hitting but it was really awesome because again like the king of the universe wants to be my spouse and to look at him in that way and to like be filled with love for him in the same way that I am filled with love for you um, but even in like a bigger way I'm just really excited for what he's going to do with that but while I was um, yeah while I was in line waiting for confession because it was like kind of long which is great oh, it's it, always good when there's you know not for me I get grumpy and impatient <laughs> and I hate when you're like you're not in line yet you're just sitting in the pews I'm always like okay I've been sitting here longest but I know someone's just gonna walk in and go right over to the confessional and get in front of me so I just I add up more sins to say, confess you, once I get there you need there. to confess that once you get there I know in. I know but it's always it's good for the church if there's a long line for confession yeah but continue so I was waiting in line and uh while we were waiting Jack again was just like tired of being in the church so uh, Daniel had to walk him around the church, and I was just watching him, and Daniel was going through the Stations of the Cross that he could mm-hmm. on that side of the church without interrupting the confession line, and I just was, like, hit with this, like, okay, God, you want me to be your spouse, and you want me to be completely one with you, and you've shown me that through this earthly husband that you've given me. And this earth, like this sun, to show me what that looks like to to have fruit in the in love, and it just was really it was really great. I was just sitting there watching you, and I was like, "Hey, thanks God for giving me such a great husband who shows me Christ's love every day." Thanks. I know that. I told Holly to tell that story on the podcast. I said, "I've been. You really need to make me look better." No, no, he hadn't heard that story yet. Um. I just told that to him. But it was just a really nice moment where God was like, hey, I wed myself to you through my death and through my resurrection. I started a new covenant that I repeat with you every single week and every single time you take the Eucharist, you enter into this relationship that is a spousal relationship. And I've, I just love in the Old Testament like how, how weird it is that God is always like talking to Israel like, oh, you adulterous nation. Like, he speaks to Israel and to his people in marital terms, which if, if you're, like, thinking about that, not not in hindsight, you're like, whoa, weird, stop, back mm-hmm. up. You're the, you're the creator of the universe. Why are you talking to me like a husband? Like, that's, that is weird. But then he does, and that's who he is, and that's the way that he reveals himself to us is through marriage. And so I really love... Oh, truly blessed night when things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to the human. Because at that time, at the resurrection, is oh, truly blessed night. Like, what moment are they talking about? I think they're referring to the resurrection, but I think it's in light of the whole... The full The whole passion. The passion and resurrection, right. So, at, like, during that time, the passion and resurrection, heaven and earth was wed. Right. In, like, in reality, not mm-hmm. in just, like, the way that he was, rep- like, 
revealing himself to us, but like in reality, these things were wed. Right. Which is cool. That and that's always like we can kind of get in our heads and be like, oh, this is spiritual. It's the cool way to think of it. But like, no, this physically happened. God yeah. physically walked the world, walked the earth, like took breath, breathed in, and yeah, this is earth and heaven are wed in his person in the covenant with his people and it's it's real it's yeah it's real and it's awesome (laughs) like it still blows my mind that we can we've never been but we can go to where jesus walked Mm. where the god of the universe walked and you can walk in the same spot that he walked that's just bizarre it's bizarre that the god of the universe we can walk in the same spot that he walked we could touch maybe the same sand that he touched Mm mm-hmm we could touch some of the same water that baptized him. Like, yeah. that is bananas. <laughs> it's just crazy. So, I, like, this is probably my, my favorite thing that has been revealed to me through the uh, Exaltet while we were meditating on it. And yeah. it's really beautiful. And I just love what God's showing me right now. Um, that's all that I have written. But we... Okay, so also in there... Is uh, I forgot to tell Daniel that I liked this part. Uh, drawn out by mother bees. The bees. The I thought you were going to bees. Yeah. <laughs> in the, that the candle is work of bees. What does it say? It's, it's, it's right scroll here. up a little bit. No, and then it says it before, too. Oh, does it? Right there. Uh, the, the work, work of, of bees. bees in your servant's hands. And then it, later it says, for it is fed by melting wax, drawn out by mother bees to build, so tor- build a torch so precious. Well, and it's kind of um, like in mass with the gifts we the priest says, um, talks about the gifts at the work of human hands, um, through the vine, work of human hands. And so it's sort of um, humanity and divinity working together. But it's also, um, oh, fruit of, the, fruit of the vine and work of human hands is what it is for the wine. And fruit of the earth, but work of human hands is the bread. Yeah, isn't that what you said? I thought I, I, thought I just said um, fruit of, or the work of human hands. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so there's creation working with humanity to give praise and glory to god like it's an all it's all together and it's yeah the bees the bees makes us make this wax which bees are crazy if you ever want yeah go learn about bees they're they're insane like what they do it's like they're little like robots and because like i don't know if it's still a requirement but all Candles in churches were supposed to be like fifty-one percent beeswax. I don't know if they. I don't know if that's required by canon law anymore. Well, it was. Yeah, which I think is so cool. Like that, even the candles are reflective of like, because there's something about uh, beeswax that like, the way that it's made or the way that way that bees make it, um, that reflected Christ in the way that God works. Yeah, there's a lot with bees and. And Christ, and God in general. I don't. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but like okay. I'm sure someone's written several books on it. Well, bees are awesome. Bees are awesome. And we need to save the bees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, that's a. Um, that's just like a thing that's going on right now. That the bees are dying. Oh, I feel like that happens every couple of years. Well, it's a thing. I know. But. But how yeah, beautiful. How beautiful that sort of all creation is contributing to this. Like we kind of think of creation as like us, but it's all of the world. And like nature gives glory to God through what it does. You know, bees give glory to God through being bees. And it's something that we as humans, like we have 
the choice not to not to be fully human mm-hmm. which is kind of it's a mixed bag like it's great but we also are able to not choose god yeah like um it's sometimes i'm like jealous of like bees or whatever because they don't have to think about it they just glorify god by doing what they do but they also don't have rational souls so that's just kind of all they do they don't get to know christ intimately not like literally jealous i know what you're saying and i remember a couple weeks ago our friend was uh playing with jack and he was like gosh he (laughs) i don't remember what jack what jack was doing i think he was just like sitting there but our friend just got up to his face and was like gosh you just get to glorify god just by like being there just like by being a baby (laughs) by breathing or by clapping your hands together like but it's just because because jack is just a little baby and he doesn't like he only works on like pretty much instinct at the moment Mm. um but that he is creation that he glorifies god just by being creation right and how beautiful is that that our little baby doesn't have to do anything that he just he's just perfect (laughs) he is No, but that's sort of um, what we aspire to be and what we aspire to do is to fully glorify God through all of what we do. Um, and, you know, it's our goal. Something I've been learning recently is that, like, you have to back all this up with prayer. Like, mm-hmm. I've recently um, struggled with, like, being in situations where, like, 10 minutes after I'm like, oh, I should have done this. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a day later I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't have said this. I should have said this. Um, but I've been learning recently that through prayer, I will become more in tune with God's will and that I will align my will more fully with God's so that, you know, my reaction time is a little better. It's not like, oh, here's what I know I should do. And then I'm not going to do it. Right. It's going to be like immediate, like, because I know what, I know this is what I should do and I do it. And it's, it's, (laughs) uh, your will just becomes God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're just so into, like, so intertwined with God when you're in deep prayer with him and in deep relationship with him that, and you're open to him. Sometimes, like, we get so caught up in not praying very much or not really, like, pursuing him that we just close ourselves off to him working. But when we just open ourselves up to that and open communication between our, ourselves and the Lord, he works, th- he just, like, enters in and you're like, oh, how did I think of that? Oh, I didn't. God did. Right. God did it for me, you yeah. know? That's the that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But Easter is a great time to refocus, to to just take stock, um, really celebrate the resurrection. Like, we're, we're every Mass we celebrate the resurrection, but Easter especially, the church really focuses on it and lets us know, like, hey, guys, this is, this is what it's all about. This is why we come to mass this is why we have hope this is why we do what we do this is why we do what we do so i hope everyone appreciate our extra long easter I know, edition sorry this is long um, but have a have a blessed easter season it's not it's not just one day i love that about the church it keeps on going we keep going keeps on ticking gosh it's the best the next sunday is divine mercy sunday so um just really celebrate enjoy the season celebrate it well and don't let it stop at easter um i think we are all by the time lent rolls around next year we're kind of Mm -hmm. slogging through it again but um let's try to keep that fire alive be like bees 
be like bees. That should be like our <laughs> chant when we wake up. Um, but immerse yourself in this Easter season because it is beautiful and it is great. And like, just let your Lent and all of the things that you gave up in Lent or pursued more in Lent or whatever you did in Lent, let it be for this time. Let it be so that you can fully enter into this and let it like reap the reward of your sacrifice. Yeah. Because it's Christ. It's great. It's great and it's big and it's awesome. It's huge. (laughs) It's huge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thanks everyone for joining us again. Um, If you have any questions or feedback or corrections, um, please, we love getting email. Email us at halfwaysaintspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Our Twitter handle is halfway oh, underscore saints. Uh, like our Facebook page. Leave us a review on iTunes. Do all the things. Do all of them. Yeah. It's Easter. Go all out. Mm-hmm. If you just Google halfway saints, that's all you got to do. You can do that too. We're there. Um, but thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>